So good morning, everyone. Glad you joined us today uh, for the third part of a four-part series we're doing call it, called Seasons. We're talking about different seasons of life and different seasons of ministry and different seasons in church life. I don't know about you, but I, for one, am ready for some seasons to end. I'm thinking right now of hurricane season, right? Here it is, almost Thanksgiving, and we in Florida experience a hurricane. That's a bit unusual. I know the season goes longer than that, but uh, or has always been that. But for us, it's a little bit unusual for sure. And I, for one, am ready for hurricane season to be over. Some of you may be ready for football season to be over. Maybe you already had your fill of football, or maybe you think your husband's watching too much football. For some of you, that might be true. For some of you, it might be hunting season that you're ready to be over. And even though it's young, you're ready for it to end. Or, or maybe it's holiday season you're ready, right? And all the Hallmark movies to be done with. Some seasons are just more enjoyable than others, and some seasons are just more difficult than others. For some people, winter is a more difficult season than summer. For others, summer is a more difficult season than winter. We all are made up differently, and so we have different ideas about seasons and when they're good and when they're not so good. In church world, there are also some seasons that are easier than others. There are some seasons that we tend to more than others. We said last week that when we're in this momentum growth season and this launching season are, are both fun and exciting and they're moving us forward, but unfortunately, we also move into some of the more difficult seasons. Today, we want to talk about one of those difficult seasons, or at least relatively difficult to the others. We're talking about a season of subtraction. At first, we talked about part one, season of launching, those launching years in 2007 at the orchard, or maybe if you're applying this to your marriage, your launching years, your honeymoon years of your marriage. Then we talked about a season of adding and how it is that the Lord adds to the church. And as he adds to the church, we have this momentum growth that is exciting and, and invigorating, and we're all moving forward. But then comes a third season, a season of subtracting. Now, subtraction, seasons of subtraction, by their very nature, seem to be negative. So why are we talking about it? Very important to understand, talking about subtractions is difficult, but not talking about them is damaging. We can't pretend as though subtractions just don't exist. We can't just really even not talk about subtractions. What are you talking about, Eddie? I'm talking about things such as when people are subtracted from the fellowship. But whether that's because of a disagreement or whether that's because of an a, a untimely departure, whether that's by choice or whether that's not by choice, these seasons of departure, these seasons of subtraction, we've seen subtraction with people in various ways during the years that we've been here at the orchard. So we want to talk about that just a little bit. We want to talk about what that means to a church and how it is important because sometimes, as we're going to see, subtraction is necessary necessary for multiplication. I know it sounds a little bit odd, maybe oxymoronic, but here's what it is. It's true. Sometimes subtraction must take place for multiplication to take place. Now, I want to take us again to the New Testament church. 
The early New Testament church has modeled so many good things for us. And once again, they model for us how to deal with seasons of subtraction. Now, I want to take you to two case models today uh, that, that really stand in stark difference. Uh, very, very different situations. And yet, I think that we face the same kind of subtraction even today in 2020. The first case study is going to be uh, a, a, a departure that comes about or a, a, a subtraction that comes about because of disagreement. The second case study is going to be a simple departure for the sake of mission. And so we'll look at those two. The first one is found in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, beginning with verse 36 and reading through verse 40. Let me just read the text and then we'll unpack it a little bit. It says, after some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a deep or a sharp disagreement that they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. Now, what just happened? Paul and Barnabas had enjoyed a wonderful missionary journey. In chapter 13 of Acts, they are sent out by their local church. Um, the church in Antioch had sent them out into the world, if you will, into the hedges and highways, into the uttermost part that Jesus spoke about, if with the purpose of planting churches, evangelizing people, sharing the gospel. They had a very successful journey. On that first journey, they took a young man by the name of John Mark. He was going to be, I guess you could say, their gopher. He, he was going to be their roadie. He was going to be the one that would take care of all the different specifics. He would help them. Problem is, in their first stop, the first time they ran into difficulty, not far from home, not far into their journey, John Mark, for whatever reason, decided he wanted to go back home. And so he left them. He departed. He, he went back to Antioch. Well, the missionary journey continued and Paul and Barnabas had success. They came back home. They reported to the elders in Jerusalem. They reported to their church. And now they were ready after some time had passed to go back and to revisit the churches they had been and to, or planted, I should say, and then to visit with some other places and move into some new areas. So immediately Barnabas, whose name, by the way, means son of encouragement, decided that he wanted to show extra grace to John Mark and invite him to go back on this second journey, thinking, of course, supposing that he had matured a little bit. Paul, on the other hand, was all about the truth and said, no, we're not going to take this young man. Do you forget that he left us? He deserted us to come back home? No, we're not going to take him. Now, here's two godly men in, in two, two, two passionate men about sharing the gospel and about extending the kingdom, and yet they have a sharp disagreement. So sharp that they split ways. They split company. And so Barnabas takes John Mark and goes one direction. Paul chooses Silas and goes another direction. Now, that was not a pretty scene. I don't know exactly what all the details were, but I know it was not a very pretty scene and caused some problems in that local church. There was a subtraction. There was a problem. It appeared to be a failure. 
There was a dissension, a division, and the result was subtraction. Subtraction from the team, subtraction from the church. And these two men went two separate ways, or these four men went two separate ways. Now, what do we learn from that, and what can we pick up from that? I've written down some facts that I want to draw from there, some thoughts about disagreement that help us to look into the future. First of all, disagreements are inevitable. We just need to know that. Sometimes people are going to disagree. Sometimes there's going to be disagreements um, um, between friends. There's going to be disagreements in marriages. There's going to be disagreements in church. Now, we need to understand that that's important. People are going to disagree. Over the years, since we began, 2007, now 13 years ago, there have been disagreements. And some subtractions have come because people just simply disagreed. Maybe they disagreed with the orchard stand on doctrine. Maybe there was a doctrinal difference. And, and by the way, that's not a bad reason to subtract. But maybe, maybe it was something else besides that. Maybe it was methodologies that they disagreed with. You know, some people methodolo- for some people, methodologies is very important, or that is how we do things is very, very important. And, and I discovered very quickly in the orchard that sometimes people love the fact that we didn't do the things they didn't like in their previous church, but sometimes then they didn't like the fact that we didn't do things that they did like, right? Because those are important disagreements. Sometimes those disagreements were over simple things like music style or like how loud the amp is turned up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But disagreements are inevitable. Now, the second thing that I think we learn from this is very important is that disagreements will arise between partners in ministry. Disagreements are not only for people in a secular realm. Somehow we're, we think it not, not unusual for people in a business to disagree. Maybe somebody in the cubicle next to you at the office or maybe someone in the classroom next to you at school. But in the secular realm, we don't think anything about people disagreeing. But then when we come to church, we're like, well, shouldn't everybody agree on everything? Well, the truth is disagreements are going to arise even between partners in ministry. And that's why sometimes staff leaves, right? That's why sometimes a, a staff member moves to a different place, whether it's at the orchard or whether it's at another church somewhere else. Sometimes there's just disagreements on, again, strategies or vision or, or doctrines or whatever it may be. The third thing we learn here is that disagreements arise between people who have served together for years for the cause of Christ. So don't be surprised when people who are godly people who've worked together for the cause of Christ, separate. We learn that from this disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Now, I want to take you to another case study. Fast forward, Acts chapter 20, we find another instance. This time, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. He's going against the counsel of many, But on his way, he's passing near to the city of Ephesus. As he comes to Ephesus, he's reminded of how much he loves the church at Ephesus. We call it the Ephesian church. And he calls for the elders of the church at Ephesus to come and meet him. And I want you to watch what happens. Acts chapter 20, we begin with verse 22. Paul says to them, And now I am on my way to Jerusalem. Watch this compelled by the Spirit. Keep that in mind. We'll come back to that. Not knowing what I will encounter. 
He continues, except that in every town, the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. After he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. Do you see the difference here? Do you see that this time they're not, they're, there's not a subtraction? In other words, there's not a separation of Paul and the elders because of a disagreement It's just a simple departure for the sake of the mission. This time, Paul understands that even though he would love to be with the Ephesians, maybe even would love to be a part of the Ephesian church, who knows? But because of a call to mission, because he has a ministry to fulfill and a mission to accomplish, Paul says it's necessary for me to depart and to leave. And so from this, the point of view of these Ephesian elders, there's a subtraction here. They'll never see Paul again. Now, once again, I think we learn something very important from this passage of Scripture. The truth of the matter is sometimes people leave a fellowship, leave a church because of disagreement. But sometimes people depart from a church simply for the sake of mission. And so we need to think about that. What do we learn about that? Well, I've jotted down some facts about departures that we draw from the text. According to verse 22, the Spirit leads into different places at different seasons. Have you ever thought about that? That God maybe is, is leading us to different seasons because he has a purpose and a plan for us. I think about myself. I've experienced that in my own heart because Beth and I have left four churches, had to, had to leave four churches that we loved very dearly. We didn't leave because of disagreement. We didn't leave because of disappointment. We left because of mission. God was telling us to depart for a mission. You know what? Some people who have left the orchard, and I know, again, I want to talk about these things because we don't want an elephant in the room. We know people have departed, but some of them have departed for the sake of mission. We see that happen, don't we? We see, for example, a departure um, uh, uh, as the Spirit leads to different places of ministry, to different places of, of organization. The second thing, the real intent of seasons of departure is to shape us and position us to finish our course in ministry. In other words, when the Holy Spirit of God is moving us, he's moving us for his glory. He's moving us so that we can be in a position to finish the ministry, the mission that he's given to us. Third, we learn here, a season of departure does not mean a friendship has ended. Isn't that interesting? People can depart and still remain friends. Now, I know that seems odd, and it's, it's, it's one of, another one of those white elephants we don't talk about a lot. But you know what churches are notorious for? Churches are notorious for being best friends if you're part of my church, but when you leave my church, you're no longer my friend. Wait a minute, where did that come from? That's, that's not the departure that we see from Paul. When Paul came to the Ephesian elders and said, it's time for me to move on to Jerusalem. It's time for me because of the mission to leave and you may never see me again. There was still a friendship. They embraced. They, 
they, they, they, they shed tears because he had left. They were still friends. I think that is very, very important for us to see. It does not mean, departure does not mean that friendships have to end. And then finally, we learn here that a season of departure must often be grieved. It says the Ephesians grieved over the fact of this division, of this subtraction, grieved over the fact that they would not see Paul again. Now listen carefully. I believe we've experienced all of these at the orchard. Sure, we have seen people, subtractions because of disagreements. We've seen people um, who who were with us, who who were, um, for whatever reason, disagreed with something we were doing and and departed. We've seen staff who, who may disagree and move on. Or we also have seen departures that God has just instigated and moved people and groups of people who would leave. I think, for instance, of a couple of people that actually we're supporting right now and you're supporting right now through your generous giving. I think about people like Carter Jackson, Aston Sibrinson. Both of those are young people who grew up here in our church and in our student ministry who now are serving Carter in a foreign country and Aston in Nebraska. I guess maybe some would argue a foreign country. No offense, African Nebraska people. And, and, and these folks are, these young people are serving. They've been subtracted, but for the purpose of mission. And we're excited about that. And then I think about our Live Oak campus. I think about how that was a big subtraction when one day we have a, a, a certain number of people in our midst and then the next day, 35 of those are subtracted. Because what? They're no longer coming to Lake City to worship. They're moving to Live Oak for worship. But they departed not because of disagreement or disillusionment. They departed for the sake of ministry. I think about our, the, the same thing happening at our Southridge campus where people departed. Why? For the sake of ministry. I think about the Ocala campus that's yet to come, how people depart because of the sake of ministry. And so I think it's important to understand that subtraction does not have to be negative. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's the only way to multiply. Very, very important. So now let me begin to wrap some of this up. How do we take this information and how do we use it for preparing and not comparing? How do we make it prepare? How do we make it as something that we're going to use for preparation and not comparing? A couple of things to learn. First of all, we will always face seasons of subtraction in our life and in church. There's always going to be seasons of subtraction. First of all, in your life, in your marriage, in your family, there's always going to be subtractions. doesn't have to be negative. It's going to usually feel painful, and it's going to usually be difficult, but it doesn't have to be negative, and it can lead to addition and multiplication. The second thing we learn is that God will use our seasons of subtraction for our good and for his glory. That God will use whatever he wants to choose to use in order to bring glory to his name. And sometimes that means subtraction. Sometimes that means he's going to do something in a way that we're not comfortable with or we don't see as positive and yet are very, very important. So this idea of subtraction, a season of subtraction becomes very critically important. Why? Because while momentum growth 
And launching, let me start with launching. While launching and momentum growth are fun seasons, they'll never get us to where we need to be. Even though they're fun seasons and exciting and enjoyable and the days that we look back on and tend to compare with, they'll never get us to where we need to be. And sometimes the only way to get to strategic growth is through subtraction. You remember last week we talked a little bit about Tony Morgan's life cycles in a church and we said that Tony Morgan said the first of that is launching, the second of that is momentum growth and we compared that to our seasons and how our seasons of launching and addition are seasons of launching and momentum growth. The third Morgan calls strategic growth. Strategic growth is when momentum growth is not enough And we need to strategize to see how we move from here, how we continue to grow, but we do it strategically. Sometimes strategic growth has to begin with subtraction. So I want you to remember that. And I want us to think about that and ponder that as we move through the rest of this week and next. We can't compare to the past. We have to prepare for the future. We can't ignore subtractions because that's damaging. We have to talk about them because even though that's difficult, we have to understand that God moves and subtracts from churches, people, programs. Sometimes it's programs that are painfully um, subtracted. We tend to get a program we like and we begin to what? Make that program the mission. The truth of the matter is the methods are not the mission and we need to understand some of those will be subtracted and it's for a good cause. It's for a good thing. So if you're dealing with subtraction or wondering about subtraction, understand that God is at work. As the song says, even when we don't see it, he's at work. Even when we don't feel it, he's at work. And even when we don't understand it, he's at work. And even when the church experiences subtraction, He is at work. So here's the takeaway I want to leave with you today. And uh, very simple, but I think very, very important. Subtractions are necessary, but they don't have to be negative. Subtractions are necessary, but they don't have to be negative. Now, I'm not trying to be just the, the, the ultra positive person, although I tend to lean that way. I'm just trying to say that as we see God moving, we can begin to understand that Romans is right. Paul said, all things are working together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things, does that include launching? Yep. Does that include addition? Yep. Does that include subtractions? Yep. All things are working for good. So when it breaks your heart and you grieve a subtraction, understand It's okay to grieve, but then we have to move on. We have to pick up and go on because God wants to do something with where we are right now. Do we grieve? Yes. Do I grieve subtractions? Absolutely. Sometimes I grieve the subtraction of a program that I really like. Maybe a song that I just really love but can't sing anymore or don't sing anymore. Sometimes I have to grieve over some people leaving, some person leaving, some staff leaving. That I Honestly, I grieve over that. I, I know this seems to be an exaggerated statement, but it isn't. I grieve over every person that is subtracted from our fellowship, whether by disagreement or departure or or just by absence or whatever it is. I grieve that. 
And the Lord has taught me it's okay to grieve it, but then move on. But then we got to move on. Because why? We can't compare the past. We prepare for the future. So where's God taking us from here? So next week, we'll talk more about that. And next week, we'll see that God wants to move us into a future, into a new season. And we'll talk about how exciting that can be. So thanks for joining us online. Thanks for joining us uh, at our Live Oak campus, our Lake City campus. We're so glad that you're here. So glad I could share these words with you. And I'm praying that God will remind us and convince us that for the Orchard Community Church, the greatest days are yet to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, for working in our hearts and lives. And God, I pray that you would use these words, use this message, use this teaching from Scripture to, God, encourage us and to move us into the new season that you have for us, to move us into things that we've not yet seen or understood or heard, and move us in our church life, in our professional life, in our home life, in every area of our life, God. May we learn the seasons and how the seasons change, and may we learn to not compare but prepare for the present and coming season. God, thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.